Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and welcome to the Coffee Clash. The Coffee Clash and Special Needs Talk Radio Network feature outstanding programming for the special needs community. Our team of hosts provide educational interviews. Our shows are not designed to provide listeners with specific or personal medical, legal, or professional service or advice. Parents of children with health issues should always consult their health care provider for medical advice, medications, or treatment. Any show discussing rights and law for special needs children and special education are presented as general information and not legal advice. Special Needs Coffee Clash Limited does not promote any host or guest individual practice, programs, treatments, or products. We thank you for joining us and are proud to provide excellence in broadcasting for the special needs community. And now, on to the interview. Welcome, everyone. Thank you for taking time out of your busy life to be with me today. I'm Dr. Jerry Weichman. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist. I've specialized in adolescents and parenting adolescents for the past 16 years. I'm also on staff at Hogue Hospital in Newport Beach, founder of the Weichman Clinic, and author of How to Deal, the Teen Survival Guide. Today's teen world is ripe with increasing incidents of peer influence, substance abuse, bullying, oppositional defiance, depression, anxiety, and low self-esteem. Technology has played a significant role in these increases. Today's teens live in a much different world as the one that we grew up in as adults. Your teen now can go from school to the safety of their house, to the privacy of their own room, and bling, a text pops up. You're fat. Nobody likes you. Or somebody posts, why are you still here? Just kill yourself already. I found that somewhere along the line in adolescent development, teens begin to create two different personas, one for parents, coaches, teachers, and instructors. The other is what I call their underground persona, which is where their conversations about sexting, naked pictures, sneaking out, drug and alcohol use, and even thoughts of suicide take place. I cannot tell you how many highly educated, highly invested parents I've seen over the years who sat in my office saying, we had no clue or we had no reason to suspect until it was too late. My guest today is a teen technology expert with a love for parents, Scott Burnett of Integrity Computer Concepts. Scott, thank you for being on the show. Jerry, thank you for having me. Love to talk about this subject, and I hope that uh, our conversation today can help some parents. It's a crazy world out there for teens and their parents. Scott, I've asked over the years by so many parents, is it harder to be a teenager today? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think with uh, the amount of technology that teens have in their hands, it's, it's a lot more difficult. I mean, just think when we were kids, we had uh, a telephone that had a curly cord connected to it and uh, about 20 channels to choose from. Um, there was no online video games like there are now, no cell phones in our back pockets. We didn't have an iPad in our backpack. And we surely didn't have all these social media profiles to continually keep up with. So I don't know that it's necessarily more difficult, but there sure is a lot more to manage. Um, I mean, think about juggling. You can juggle two or three balls at once, but when you put five or six of them in the air, it just gets a lot more difficult. So when you add technology to the uh, already demanding list of school activities and 
sports and um, parental expectations and, and peer pressures, it's got to be more difficult. I Absolutely. would not want to be a teen right now. Yeah. You know, I, I've dubbed this generation, Generation M, which for me stands for multimedia-hungry multitaskers. You know, as, as crazy mm. as their life is, these are the, the multitaskers, and to me it is a lot more stressful. Um, you know, information and gossip and drama is constantly streaming 24 hours a day now for them. It's, it is harder to get into more colleges and universities across the country. And even technology with online grade systems, so parents can check their kids' grades, have created a lot of stress and strife within the family. Um, you know, the pace of new technology as well as the latest apps are, all the teens are into is changing so rapidly, and it's really hard to keep up with it all. What are the latest concerning trends you've seen? Wow, there, there's actually quite a few. Law enforcement, um, school administrators, counselors, psychologists like yourself um, hear and read about uh, new technology all the time. Three of the, of the trends that are pretty concerning, um, one of them is not so new, sexting. Um, kids of all ages, I've seen as young as 10, 11, 12, have been introduced to this new concept of sending inappropriate messages or uh, photos through a cell phone. I mean, we're putting these computers in these kids' back pockets, um, giving them cameras on the phone, and then 100% uh, percent, uh, you know, of the day they have Internet access. Um, these things are, are just sort of going to creep into their lives and happen. But sexting, that's nothing new. That's a couple of years old that we've been uh, dealing with. A couple of the other trends are these new group of apps. Um, I call them animidity apps, apps that allow the kids to become completely um, uh, anonymous online or create these new personas, like you said in your opening, uh, their underground self, uh, apps like Whisper and Secret or Ask FM, which is a very popular app um, that, that happens to be a, a very big playground for bullies. Yeah. Um, there was a young lady uh, that got um, bullied using Ask FM last year, committed suicide. She was on the news. Uh, her name was Rebecca Sedwick. A terrible tragedy, but these anonymity apps allowed that to happen. Yeah, I think I've seen Ask, so many problems with Ask FM for so long with so many of the kids that I've worked with that, it, you know, for me it has to be a no-no with the parents because some of the quotes I opened up with, like, you know, you're fat, you're ugly, nobody likes you, you should just kill yourself, you know, why are you still here? You should just kill yourself is one of the more common things I hear on Ask FM. Well, Rebecca Sedwick was told to go jump off of a building, and a week later, she did exactly that. Uh, it was just October of last year. She jumped off of a water tower and killed herself. And two girls, um, aged 12 and 13, used Ask FM and another app called Kick uh, to bully her online. Rebecca's mom knew the bullying was happening and pulled Rebecca out of the public school that these two girls were in. But the bullying continued because it was all online. It wasn't even in real life to begin with. And pulling her out of that elementary school didn't do any good at all. Um, but these apps are something that it's very scary for parents, um, and we have to watch our kids really close. Yeah, it makes it so much easier for them to just lob anything out there knowing that they're not going to be traced back to them. Um, I, I completely agree with you. Yeah, and these apps have simply evolved. It's nothing new. Five years ago, there was a website called FormSpring, and FormSpring was the predecessor 
to these bullying apps before apps were in our back pockets on our cell phones. So it's just morphed. I mean, when you and I were kids, we might have even done some bullying too, but it was at the roller skating rink or maybe the mall. Uh, then it went to websites, and now it's on cell phones. Yeah, scary stuff. Yeah. Uh, how, how do how do parents keep up with the latest trends so they can stay ahead of their kids with regards to technology? Well, one of the best ways is just to continually educate yourself. For those who are listening right now, they're doing a great job. They're listening to a, a podcast or, or an online radio show about uh, technology. So it, I tell parents, if you hear somebody talking about technology, run to hear them speak. Or if you hear um, that there's an event going on at your school or in your PTA group or maybe at the library or the police department that's going to deal with this growing concern on how do we keep our kids safe. And there's, you know, groups all over the, the, the city that are talking about these kinds of things. Um, you should always attend. There's a lot of blogs, two of them in particular, that I like to follow. One of them is called The Online Mom, and that's at theonlinemom.com. And the other one's called Tech Savvy Mama. And that's techsavvymama.com. And those two blogs are just moms sharing their thoughts on technology. And so if you can find a good blog or a good news source for technology, you really do need to keep up on it. Your kids know this stuff, and if you don't and fall behind your kids, um, then, then you, know, you could be in for a little bit of trouble. So I, I completely to, agree. Listen to people you know, like you when you have a radio show. Uh, and you're going to talk about technology, it'd be great to tune in. I, I completely agree. I actually, on uh, drjerryweichman.com, my website, I have at the bottom there a term ticker, um, which is basically, you know, teens have morphed their, their, all the words that they use into their own language. Part of that's, you know, for cohesiveness. Another part of that's for, you know, keep it away from the parents so they don't understand it. So as I'm learning new terms, I'm constantly updating my website. And if you're a parent and you don't know what, grits are or to blaze is or what dome is or what a kickback is you should definitely get educated because even if you're paying attention to what your kids doing online if you don't understand the terms and the lingo you're still going to be out of the loop yeah and you know your kids aren't always keeping stuff from you you might actually ask them hey teach me something new about your cell phone or what's the latest, greatest thing that kids are doing these days on the phone? And, of course, your kids might say nothing and turn the other, you know, kids don't always have great in-depth conversations with their parents, but you can surely give it a try at the dinner table. Um, they might enlighten you a little bit once in a while. If we don't open the lines of communication, then, you know, the, the kids think we're either not interested or we're not watching, and that's, that's also when trouble can happen. Yeah, I completely agree. Hey, uh, rewinding things for a second, something I failed to mention was uh, one of the later trends I've been hearing about from the kids I've been working with, which is on Snapchat. Um, Snapchat is, you know, for the parents that aren't that aren't familiar with it, you know, the it, your your image just disappears or whatever you're sending le allegedly disappears. But what they're doing now is for the boys that are getting oral sex from girls. They'll sit there with their phone over the girl's head and take a Snapchat video of it happening and send it to all their friends for their friends to see, thinking that once it disappears, they're not going to get caught for it. Pretty concerning. Yeah, that actually goes back to your previous question. What are some of those 
online trends, and we talked a little bit about uh, sexting and, and, and apps that allow kids to be anonymous. But another big trend right now are these, um, well, sexting apps. Uh, Snapchat is one of them, and another one is, is Kick. And these apps um, let the kids think that they're completely safe, and what they do is going to disappear, and there's not going to be any trace of it. Uh, there's another app called Wicker, and Wicker's tagline on the top of their website is this. It says, the Internet is forever. Your communication with your friends should not be. I mean, it screams out to the kids, whatever you do here is safe. It's mm-hmm. secret. Apps like this, they don't have any employees. They don't have any privacy rules. They don't have any oversight. And they've got tens of thousands of users just freely using apps. They don't keep track or records. Um, And, of course, we know, and the kids also know, that you can take a screenshot of a picture, even if it was used in Snapchat. Absolutely. Uh, The kids are doing that regularly. They wait for it to come in, and they'll take a picture, a video, screenshot. They'll they'll have five kids sitting there with their phones out waiting for them to open up the Snapchat in case it's something very sensitive, like a naked picture that they can all grab. Yeah, and I think the girls have have gotten uh, wiser to the ploys of boys requesting Snapchat photos. Um, But a couple of years ago, they didn't know about screenshots, and and it was a bit of a dangerous situation. It still is, and Snapchat's sort of on my list of bad apps, although it's still in use by so many kids. Mm -hmm. I would would tell parents, if your kids are using Snapchat, not only would I say, you know, remove it from their phone completely, it's just not a safe app to use, but ask your kids this question. Why are you using Snapchat? What does Snapchat do that you can't do in a regular text messaging app um, or on a regular social media app. And, and I haven't really heard a good answer from a teenager yet. No, they they're can't just taking advantage of what's been provided for them. Yeah. The, the, uh, the apps that, that allow you to be anonymous or for your actions to sort of disappear um, are very appealing to kids, but um, they're just not safe. Agreed. One of the most controversial issues with technology and teens is the topic of spyware. Should parents be monitoring their kids' electronic communications through key loggers? Yeah, I really do think that they should. Um, I like to think of a key logger program in the hands of a parent as sort of a tool in your back pocket. You don't have to look at the reports every day. As a matter of fact, if you put some kind of spyware or or monitoring software on your child's phone, iPad, or computer, and you do look at the reports every day, it's probably going to drive you nuts. Not only is most of this stuff absolutely boring um, and and mundane, you know, they chat back and forth with these crazy lingos, but you you have better things to do than spend hours monitoring your children. However... If something does happen to your child or they go down a road that they shouldn't be traveling or they start hanging out with a group of kids that maybe they shouldn't be hanging out with, you can go back to those reports that have already been put in place and see what's going on. Yeah, I get I, calls from – go ahead. I was going to say that you know, I think that um, you know, it, it is invaluable in certain situations. I've seen certain parents – if. You know, if you're a very hypervigilant, high-strung, anxious parent, it might not be the best thing for you. 
just because I see so many moms, it's usually the moms that are at home, um, some of them will get into it, and not only are the kids posturing most of the time on there, you know, they're saying things they normally wouldn't say, saying they like certain things, how horrible things really are at home when they're not that bad. You know, they'll, they'll, they'll dramatize things just to, you know, get more attention and more support from the people they're talking to, which freaks the parents out. But I've seen moms on this thing every day, almost like watching a uh, soap opera. You know, what's, 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 what's going to happen to Lucy today type thing. So oh, I think absolutely. it can get carried away. Oh, One it, of the, it uh, surely can. Yeah, there are parents that probably should not be watching their kids. Uh, that closely um, because it'll absolutely, you know, add too much stress and anxiety to your life. And the posturing is so true. Just a few weeks ago, there was a young lady whose parents were watching her cell phone activity, and she was bragging to a couple of her friends that she was, um, you know, high on, on with marijuana. She was smoking pot, and um, she was claiming how much better of an Xbox player she is when she's stoned. Um, her parents read the text and, you know, literally freaked out and thought, oh, my gosh, my daughter is smoking pot. She's 13 years old. This is life-changing. The, the truth was she has never smoked pot. They gave her a drug test. She came absolutely clean. And the, the night that she said she was so stoned, she was at the movies with her mom and dad. So she was just bluffing to her friends to be cool. Not everything you read in a kid's report it's true. As a matter of fact, most of it might, you know, probably isn't. That's so funny. Yeah, it happens a lot. The kids at this age are so concerned about what I call social stock, which is how you're perceived and received by your peers. And so they're, as, at a time when self-esteem is naturally low and everybody's living in this, you know, gossipy, clicky, judge a book by its cover world where people aren't seen for who they are nor who they will be, the kids will really start to posture to try to, you know, climb up higher on the ladder, get more support, get more attention. You know, Scott, one thing that's uh, somewhat controversial is the concept of spyware. You know, a lot of parents will feel this is an invasion of their kids' privacy. Is it? No, I don't think so. I think that uh, if you put something on your child's phone or computer to watch their activities, you're just being a good parent. Um, I think that school administrators, law enforcement counselors, I think they would all agree that the, you, know, you need to be responsible for your child's behavior. You need to watch what they're doing. It might not even be so much to see you know, if they're being um, bullied, but maybe if they're bullying other kids. Think what would have happened if the two young ladies who told Rebecca Sedwick to go jump off a building, what would happen if their parents were watching them? Well, maybe some intervention could have happened, and the bullying might, may have stopped. You know, Jerry, I have four kids, one of them very compliant. I'll probably never need to watch her. But one of my kids has a very dominating personality, and I'm afraid she might be a bully someday, and I will watch her not only to protect her, but I'll watch her to protect her friends uh, from her. And um, I think it's a great idea to watch your kids. Um, maybe not every day I'll read those those reports, but yeah, I think it's a really safe place to be for a parent. Um, and it's not, it's not hard at all to do. You know, <clears throat> I have uh, been doing this for 16 years, and I have to tell you, I have never, ever seen a mother's intuition be wrong, ever. Um, there's some type of connection there, and whenever I hear a mom that just has a thought or a feeling 
um, I'm going right for that. Or what I'll find out is that something did happen and mom had a feeling that something wasn't right. Um, you know, for the mothers out there, you have to listen to your gut and your intuition, especially with regards to your kids, because you're, you're right. And that plays in when you're monitoring your kids online. If you just have a feeling, that's more than likely when you should check if you have this on your kids' devices, correct? Yeah, uh, mom's feeling is definitely right. When my wife has a, a feeling, I I absolutely go for it all the time. The house runs much better uh, when you agree, and, you know, with your spouse and you're on the same page. But um, speaking of these monitoring programs, let's chat real quick about a couple of them. Okay. Um, the one for the computer, if your child's using a desktop or a laptop, whether it be a Mac or a PC is um, called SpectreSoft. You can throw that into Google and get their website. They um, make great software for monitoring computers. If they have an iPhone or an iPad and you're interested in maybe watching their text messages, um, and I don't know that this is for everybody, but uh, if you have a child um, in trouble or you have a child that likes to toe the line or maybe a little bit on the defiant side, I think it's a good idea to keep a close eye on those text messages. And the program that just recently came out for that is called Teen Safe. Um, and Teen Safe will help mom and dad keep an eye on those text messages. Um, it's only about four or five months old. I've installed it uh, for customers dozens and dozens of times, and, and, and they've had great, great success with it. So. Um, those are two good apps. If you're using an Android phone, you can install a program called eBlaster, and that program will give you all kinds of reports on what's going on on that Android phone. You know, these, these, these programs, Scott, you know, I think that to some extent, if used in the right way, they're an invaluable resource for parents as far as for being preventative, you know, so that you can be proactive with situations rather than reactive to them. I, I completely agree with you that, you know, with the kids that are going out and doing dangerous things, they'll have conversations. If they're feeling depressed, if they're feeling suicidal, teens will, statistically speaking, uh, you know, hint about suicide at least two to three times before they actually attempt it. And I do believe that if more parents were monitoring more closely their kids' online devices, that not only would we be able to keep kids better on their track, but there, a lot of them would be, a lot more that have committed suicide would be alive today. Oh, I completely agree. I think so many things can be avoided if the conversation around the dinner table simply takes a turn towards the topic that needs to be talked about. And you don't know it. Is it drugs? Is it sex? Is it peer pressure? Is it bullying? Is it suicide? Those topics need to be talked about, and the conversations need to be had. But which ones do we have with our kids, and when do we have them? Well, the monitoring program will tell you exactly when you need to have them and at what time and what's going on in your kid's life. They're not going to come out and tell you, hey, Mom, Dad, I'm experimenting with drugs. Hey, Mom and Dad, I, I just had a new girlfriend, and, and she wants to do this. And they're not going to say that, but you do need to know. You know, my so mom eavesdropped on uh, – go ahead. I was going to say, so, no, go ahead, I'm sorry. I was going to say, my mom eavesdropped on me when I was a teenager. I had the, the phone with the really long curly cord, and I could go all the way around the corner of the living room into the hallway and talk. And I know she was listening to my conversations. Um, not happy about it at the time, but I have a feeling she was just being a, a good parent. And thank goodness for it. I'm sure she helped me 
steer clear of a lot of trouble because of that eavesdropping. So if parents do put this software on their kids' devices, what do you recommend they do, and more importantly, what do you recommend they not do when navigating this with regards to their kids? Well, there's two ways to think about it, or two ways to talk about it. You can tell your kids that the software is on the computer, and that has a, a, a good and a bad side to it. And then again, you can not tell them that, they, that you've installed software on their phone or computer. Let's talk about both of them really quick. If you decide, I'm going to tell my kids, I'm watching you, then you're taking a preventative approach. And I think there's some good to be said about that, especially for the younger kids, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 years old. I'm watching you, I'm watching you, I'm watching you. Um, they're going to steer clear of trouble. They're going to maybe not experiment with things that they know are wrong because they know their parents are watching them. As a matter of fact, 8 out of 10 kids in a recent survey by McAfee, the online security company, um, report that 8 out of 10 kids said, I would change my behavior if I knew my parents were watching. So there is something to be said for telling your kids, I'm watching you. We started that telling them really young, we're watching you, you better be careful. Now sometime around age 12, 13, maybe 14 years old, I'm going to stop reminding them that I'm watching them. I'm still going to be watching them online with software, but I'm not going to bring it up every day. I don't want them to even remember that I'm watching them because I want to catch them in their you know, real life and see what's going on. And, and they're just not going to be honest if, um, if they think I'm looking and, and, and watching everything that they say. So for some parents, you don't tell them that you're watching them because you really need to figure out what's going on in their head. And, and if you tell them, they're just going to move on to to some, some other device, maybe a friend's device, or heaven forbid they buy one without you knowing it and mm -hmm. use that one to communicate with their friends. And I yeah. think we've both seen that happen. I've seen that happen a lot, yeah. Um, especially, you're right. I mean, I think part of it's an age deal where, you know, the younger ones definitely, you tell them, the older ones definitely do not because um, you're going to be missing out. It's the one true looking glass you're going to get in your kid's world. And at the very least, it'll validate that your kids are okay, that, you know, you, you can sleep well at night. Um, you know, let's talk about how you catch the kids if, uh, you know, they don't know what's on there. Um, one of the things I've been recommending to parents is, you know, basically you don't want to say, you know, hey, unless they're going to kill themselves, we know that we've seen what's going on, we've got spyware on you, da-da-da-da-da, because that's, that's, that's the end of your looking glass. Um, there's a lot of roundabout ways for parents to catch their kids. Mm -hmm. You know, a neighbor mm -hmm. saw you here when you should have been here, um, you know, on, on, and then on top of that, you know, I, I just had a mother's intuition, something wasn't right, what's going on. Um, you know, I've, I've had parents do that with their kids, and what it basically creates, it makes them feel like there's eyes in the sky everywhere. And what that helps, what's beneficial to that is that the kids are usually less likely to push it over the line, and it helps keep them more on their track um, with less dangerous situations that they're exposed to. Um, I, had, I had one teen come in and just go, my mom has got people everywhere. She's got spies everywhere. I can't get away with anything without somebody calling, calling in or a concerned parent calling in and saying certain things I've been doing online. I just give up. And, you know, to be honest with you, it's such a 
crucial stage in development in adolescence where, you know, your kids can go off the track so quickly, not just with addiction and how they're ripe for addiction at, at the, you know, young adolescent years, but also these are the grades that affect college, which affect job, which affect money, which affect a lot of the comfort of the rest of their life. I think it's, you know, very beneficial for parents to do everything they can to help try to keep their kids on their track. Yeah, you know, that mom that the kid complained that, you know, they have eyes everywhere. That mom has some spyware on that kid's computer. There's no doubt. And every time she sees something and she needs to have a conversation with that child, she's going to use that excuse. So-and-so told me they saw you, you know, downtown. Or so a lot of parents will just say it's a, a concerned parent called, and, you know, and yep. they'll go, who? And they don't worry about it, but a concerned parent called. Yeah. Yeah, it's not difficult to to you know pull the wool over your kid's eyes if you just put a little bit of thought into it. I had one parent who was monitoring their kids' activities, and they found out about a huge party that was going to happen on Friday night. There was going to be drugs there. There was going to be alcohol there. There was not going to be any parental supervision. And these parents took some pretty drastic measures. They decided they were going to take a trip to San Diego that weekend. It was spur of the moment. The kid came home on Friday afternoon from school. Bags were already packed. Let's go. We're going to San Diego. They didn't have to even approach the subject of are you going to go to the party or are you not going to go to the party. They simply removed their child from the situation in the best way that they knew how, and the problem was avoided. I don't know if they're going to go to San Diego every weekend throughout that kid's senior year of high school, but you know you can do some pretty creative things when you have the information. The problem well, is how do you get the information? Right, and I'm, from what I and, and I'm not I'm, I'm not a tech expert by any means, but what I've heard from parents is that you know the tablets, the iPads, you know those are really difficult to filter out objectionable content and monitor. What's your thoughts about that? Yeah, it's a new area for technologists to figure out. Right now, there isn't a program that you can put on the iPad that will monitor everything. That's pretty and, concerning, uh, being that a lot of the private schools here in Orange County are going to iPads. A lot of them are. It's the, you know, the trend. They're not that expensive for a private school to get their hands on. They're fabulous devices. They're very, very um, useful in the classroom. We all know that. But... Once that tablet leaves the, the security of the school's Internet, the filtered, protective Internet provided at the school, they become a breeding ground you know, for trouble. And so when that tablet comes home, whether it be a personal one that you own or one that the school's provided, you've got to be vigilant. And one of the best ways that you can do that is just to keep it out of the bedroom. So electronic huh? You go to bed and the devices go to bed with you as a parent? Yeah, yeah. the devices go to bed with me, not with my children. Um, at our house, we've decided the rule is going to be that the devices do not go in the bedroom. We started it young, so it's not going to be a big issue when our kids turn 13, 14 years old because the rule has already been set in place. If I could get the message to parents of 6- and 7-year-olds, uh, I think that would be great. Start the rule as young as you can. Keep the electronic devices out of the bedroom. I don't think as much bullying and sexting and pornography happen in the living room or around the dinner table or in the dining room. That stuff happens in the privacy of a locked bedroom. Yeah. So if you take it out of the bedroom, you've eliminated 
you know, a major, major problem. You know, I've seen uh, for a lot of cases where the families I've worked with, the parents will have an electronic curfew, and they will take it, and they'll charge it in their room. What the kids, some of them will do in the middle of the night, sneak in there while the parents are sleeping, grab their devices, be on it until 3, 4 o'clock, and then put it back and, you know, are difficult to wake up for school the next day, very irritable. Um, one of the things I've recommended to parents do if your kids are doing this, especially if you live a busy, chaotic life and have more than one kid, it's, it's easy to not be on your game 100% of the time, is to just go to a, your local gun store, buy a lockbox. A lot of those come with a hole in the side of them. You can drill one in there. You can lock up the devices and charge them at the same time, and you can basically set it and forget it. Yeah, if you have kids sneaking into your bedroom to, to grab devices that you've taken away from them, you, you definitely have something that, that you should you know work towards correcting. Um, but you can also just simply unplug your Internet. Uh, everybody has a router and a modem in their house, and I've seen parents take the, the power plugs right out of those Internet devices, um, which will essentially knock the Internet off in your house. And that's also a way to keep those devices offline during bedtime hours. Studies show kids that take devices into their bedroom at night lose an average of one to two hours per sleep, one or two hours of sleep per night. Man, yeah. if, that, if that's the average, that means some kids are losing maybe up to three hours oh, I of see sleep that, at night sure. because they have a device. Crazy. What about screen time? I mean, so we've got kids that are so addicted, um, Parents, it's so difficult for them to pry their kids' devices away from their devices. What do you recommend parents do with regards to that? Well, taking it out of the bedroom, again, is going to be one big, big uh, solution to the screen time problem. But we give our kids laptops and tablets at the breakfast table. They're on iPads in the car. They're on iPads and laptops at school for a couple hours. Then they come home and do homework on them. And then we let them take them to the room uh, and that's just after they played Xbox for two hours. So you add that all up, and you're at 10 hours of screen time a day. That's just way too much. Um, so you can you can start by just setting some ground rules. In our house, there's going to be an hour of free time online a night, or we're not going to use these devices in the car. Heaven forbid we actually have conversations as a family while we're driving to school and coming home. Um, but just do what you can to eliminate it. Don't let it let electronics be the babysitter, and and we know that they're great babysitters. I've got four young kids, and an iPad is a great babysitter, but that's sort of the lazy way to parent, um, and it's not healthy for the kids. No, I agree. Yeah, I completely agree with uh, you know short car rides like to practice to school. No iPhone, no phones, and you know if the, that is an opportune time for everybody to talk. And if they don't want to talk, then you just you have empty silence. But at least they have that opportunity to, to take advantage of you know what you're affording them. Um, you know, I think if your kids give you a lot of grief about this, you just t- perspective take with them. You know, say like, what if you know you had something really important, you got a great grade on a test, and you came running up to me all excited and said, "Hey, mom, hey, dad." You know, check this out. Look what, ha- look what I did. And I'm just sitting here looking down on my phone, not even looking up with you going, oh, that's great, honey. Good job. You know, what would that be like for you? You know, and get them to actually answer the question. They'll say, well, I wouldn't do that or that wouldn't happen. No, it's just what would you think and what would you feel if that happened? And get them to go there. I and mean, if you can get your kids to go there, even though they're all about themselves and they can't see past the end of their nose at this stage in the game, they start to get it. 
Yeah, that scenario is just all too common. And our kids are learning from us. Uh, I'm so afraid of what my kids are going to do when they, when they learn to drive um, because they've probably seen me throw a text message out at a stoplight. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I keep forgetting my kids are watching me. Um, but we're on our phones and our tablets and our computers all day because they're very useful and productive tools. They're, they're watching us. So one of the things we can do is just model good electronic behavior. I agree. Um, are we looking at our phones and iPads in bed? Are we text messaging while we're walking through the mall? Um, because they're going to do exactly what we're doing. I, I completely agree. You can't be a do as I say, not as I do parent. Your, your kids, especially as they get older, they see right through that, and then they use it as leverage against you and labeling you a hypocrite and using it as uh, evidence to continue to do what you're trying to get them not to do. Yeah. Scott, I want to thank you so much for coming on the air and helping uh, everybody out there with you know navigating their kids' world. For more information, please visit thecoffeeclatch.com. Uh, Scott's website is www.iccguru.com. For more information on me, it's www.drjerryweichman.com. In closing, it's going to take more time and energy to raise your kids from 14 to 18 than at other, any other time in their life. Parents that hold their kids accountable are not usually liked, and life is more stressful for everyone. I encourage all of you to take the short-term consequence of holding your teen accountable for the long-term gain of helping them stay on their track and thrive in their life. If your kid is telling you how annoying you are, you're probably doing a darn good job as a parent. Thank you for your time today.